Welcome to a brand new episode of the Jam Pack Report today for March the 24th of 2020. Of course, my name is Samuel Adams and this is a daily gaming news podcast meant to bring you the hottest news you need to know from around the industry. Hosted on YouTube and podcast services around the world five days a week, this is your one-stop shop for all of the hottest gaming news that you need to know. And unfortunately, today we have a bit of a bad news story to begin today's show. So let's just dive into it and nip it in the butt. Recent Silent Hill and Silent Hills rumors are not true, according to Konami. According to a North American PR representative for Konami, rumors surrounding a Silent Hill reboot and a Silent Hills revival are just that, rumors. Quote, we are aware of all the rumors and reports, but can't confirm that they are not true. The spokesperson told rely on horror. I know it's not the answer your fans may want to hear. It's not to say we are completely closing the door on the franchise, just not in the way it is being reported. Earlier this month, a Rely on Horror report stated a soft reboot of the series was in the works and being co-developed by Sony's Japan Studio. The initial report also stated Silent Hills, which spawned the ever-popular PT demo, was canceled when Hideo Kojima left Konami. It is also being discussed by the Sony team as it's working to, quote, patch up the relationship between Kojima Productions and Konami. And so that's where the story for today ends. But I have a feeling we are not quite finished with this entire saga because, of course, this is something that stretches back for multiple years at this point, all the way back to the playable teaser on the PlayStation 4, which is still a legend in today's day and age in 2020. Uh, So... First and foremost, Silent Hill reboot, Silent Hill's reimagining, these are not in the works right now. But, of course, other rumors have spawned over the course of the past few weeks that Sony is going to work with Konami to either license the IP or purchase the IP for not only Silent Hill or Silent Hills, but also multiple uh, projects such as Metal Gear to continue making them in-house. Now, the credence to that, not really fully sold on that idea. Because, quite frankly, as they said on Sacred Symbols with Colin Moriarty and Chris Raygun, why would they sell the IP to Sony? Why would they release the rights to make money from Metal Gear? It's always going to be something that is legendary in the minds of gamers, and a lot of the IP that Konami has, they could license and make a quick buck without even having to develop anything in-house. That's the way that they probably want to go with this. Uh, So with all of that being taken into consideration, I do believe that we are going to be seeing some kind of Silent Hills project for the next generation. But right now, it looks like nothing is as far along as reported earlier this year. Which, again, is unfortunate because the playable teaser is really good. Uh, I think that they were on to something, and I think that if you look at what Capcom has done with Resident Evil 7, that kind of rebirth could also be applicable to Silent Hill if done appropriately. And I think they were on the right path, but unfortunately, or fortunately, Kojima got out and Konami began to sink. But, hey, we got Death Stranding and whatever else they're working on over there with their amazing minds at Kojima Productions. But a leaked Star Wars 1313 image appears to back up rumors of it being a Boba Fett game. The saga around Star Wars 1313 development is long and troubled. LucasArts formally revealed the game at E3 in 2012. The team planned to make a gritty, mature take on the seedy underbelly of the Star Wars universe. However, Disney purchased the Star Wars property and subsequently terminated the game. Before 1313 was officially canceled, it was heavily rumored that players would be stepping into the shows of Boba Fett shows, (laughs) my bad, shoes of Boba Fett, 
the galaxy's most famous bounty hunter. A newly leaked image seems to point to that, in fact, being the case, and you can give it a look below, and of course, here is the image in all of its 360p glory, but you can kind of see it right there, and it does look like it was actually going to be a pretty awesome looking game. Uh, however, Life by the Sword shared the image on Reddit. It's unclear where the image originated from, but what it does show looks pretty great. It's tough to be certain that the character in the image is Boba Fett. That said, it is certainly someone wearing Mandalorian armor, which definitely gives the rumors a bit more credence. You'll also notice the UI has you using a blaster and what appears to be some type of flamethrower. It's hard to imagine someone other than a bounty hunter wearing that kind of arsenal. While seeing what could be Boba Fett in the game is undoubtedly cool, the city skyline of presumably Croissant is what makes me wish the game was real. Outside of the LEGO Star Wars games, we have not gotten to visit the Imperial Center much in games, and with a population that hits over 1 trillion, the potential for an intricate society full of fun characters is incredible. Mixed with the more mature take on fiction, it is easy to imagine how ripe the setting is for an excellent video game. Unfortunately, we'll never get that game. They abandoned Star Wars 1313 a long time ago. That said, we got a great addition to the Star Wars saga last year with Jedi Fallen Order. Uh, but personally, I would love to see this game returned too. Uh, if anything, I want to see an open world Star Wars bounty hunter game. That sounds amazing. Uh, I think there is so much that can be done with that. And I think that one of the biggest pieces of information that many people overlook, or one of the biggest facts that many people overlook, is the fact that Star Wars is so in-depth, there is so much lore, and there is so much freedom to essentially do whatever you want to do in the universe. Anything is possible in a way. And the foundation that's laid down is unlike anything else that I've seen before. So, uh, quite frankly, I would love to see Star Wars uh, pick up where they left off and get 1313 back on the rails, but I highly doubt that will happen. Uh, but maybe a renewed interest could strike up a Mandalorian game. That could be kind of neat, uh, depending on how it's done. Uh, but I certainly don't think that Star Wars is going anywhere anytime soon out of the gaming sphere, so to say. Uh, because, quite frankly, uh, Battlefront 2 made a big comeback, and I think the Jedi Fallen Order performed very well. In fact, I know that it did. Uh, so I think you were going to be seeing more than just the Respawn game, which is reportedly some kind of sequel to Jedi Fallen Order. However, Fox Sports is going to air the complete eNASCAR iRacing Pro Invitational Series. And this is coming to us from my hometown, Charlotte, North Carolina, who's going to be on a quarantine lockdown in less than 48 hours. Uh, but last Sunday, NASCAR iRacing and Fox Sports teamed up to deliver the first ever eNASCAR iRacing Pro Invitational Series event. Today, Fox Sports is committing to coverage of the remainder of the season, beginning Sunday, March 29th at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, live from Virtual Texas Motor Speedway. Entitled Fox NASCAR iRacing, the races will be simulcast on the Fox Broadcast Network, FS1, and the Fox Sports app. Races will be available in Canada through Fox Sports Racing. Last Sunday's inaugural event, won by three-time Daytona 500 winner Denny Hamlin, drew 903,000 viewers on FS1, according to Nielsen Media Research. Fox Sports iRacing was the most-watched telecast on FS1 since the pandemic-induced sports shutdown began on March 12th, and Sunday's most-watched sports telecast on cable television, as well as ranks as the highest-rated esports TV program in history. Additionally, according to rankings by Twitter Interactions, the eNASCAR iRacing Pro Invitational Series on FS1 was the number one most social TV program overall on Sunday. NASCAR-owned content related to the event also produced more than 1 million engagements throughout the weekend. 
This rapid-fire collaboration between Fox Sports, NASCAR, and iRacing obviously has resonated with fans, gamers, and television viewers across the country in a very positive way, said Brad Zager, Fox Sports executive producer, EVP, head of production and operations. We have learned so much in a relatively short period of time, and we are excited to expand coverage of this brand-new NASCAR eSports series to an even wider audience. The Fox NASCAR broadcast team of Jeff Gordon, Mike Joy, and Larry McReynolds continues to call the action from Fox NASCAR Studios in Charlotte, with NASCAR Cup Series driver Clint Bowyer providing in-car commentary. The response on social media to last Sunday's race has been incredible, Gordon said. We were able to broadcast a virtual race that was exciting and entertaining. It brought a little bit of normalcy back to the weekend, and I can't wait to call the action Sunday at Texas. Under the banner Fox NASCAR iRacing, Fox Sports covers simulation-style esports races that include a cross-section of competitors from the NASCAR Cup Series, Xfinity Series, Gander RV and Outdoors Truck Series, and a group of NASCAR dignitaries. And of course, they continue to talk about how they are overwhelmed by the response. Uh, but this is massive. I first heard about this story from Slasher on Twitter. But essentially, uh, this is the most popular televised esports event in history, getting almost 1 million viewers. And I would probably guesstimate about 350,000 of those probably didn't even realize they were watching a video game. I mean, iRacing looks very good, and I think that that's really where the kudos should be going. Of course, there were many people that got the organized event together, but ultimately, I never would have known this was happening without uh, the team at iRacing making an incredible game that makes it possible. I think that's something that really should go out to them. So kudos to those guys for making something uh, that can almost fill the void left by a very uh, hardcore sport for a very dedicated niche audience. I think that's very neat. And I think it shows the power of esports. And I think, as I said last week, this is going to continue turning people on uh, to having more esports events in the future. So who knows how long this coronavirus impact will last. But as for right now, at least we are seeing more and more uh, digital events taking the place of physical events to at least put some kind of normalcy back into the world. Unfortunately, or actually, you know what, this is kind of normal anyway. PlayStation Network download speeds will be slower in Europe to preserve internet access. Uh, it really is just pathetic how slow the PlayStation Network even is to begin with. Download speeds are abysmal. They're horrible. It is an embarrassment. Sony Interactive Entertainment President Jim Ryan has announced that starting today, download speeds from the PlayStation Network may be slower in Europe. This decision was made in an effort to preserve access for the entire internet community, and more and more people are now stuck at home. As a measure against the spread of the coronavirus, countries around the world are enforcing lockdowns and stay-at-home orders, which caused a spike in internet usage. Sony is also working with ISPs in Europe to manage PSN's download traffic. Outside of these slower download speeds, you may also notice it takes longer for downloads to start. Though Ryan did not specify, this likely also affects automatic downloads, and this should not, however, affect normal online play. Sony is, of course, not the only company to throttle part of its service. Both Netflix and YouTube have reduced streaming quality in Europe for the same reason, and Ryan did not say when we can expect these limitations to be lifted. We appreciate the support and understanding from our community, and they're doing their part as we take these measures in an effort to preserve access for everyone, added Ryan. Unfortunately, this is an inconvenience that is kind of a necessity at this point. Uh, quite frankly, it sucks. It's not great. Uh, and download speeds are definitely a big part of online gaming in today's day and age. But is it really worth having slow access across the board or would you rather just have one limited service? Uh, you can even look at it in a nutshell of the PlayStation Network. I would rather have slow download speeds but supported 
online play sessions rather than slow everything and lagging in Call of Duty. That sounds horrible. Uh, So it sounds like something that is going to be the lesser of multiple evils, and you can expect that to start impacting you now. Now, global downgrading of quality is probably something that could come at some point in the future, but right now, people are kind of working their way through uh, the various issues that we're all facing that were kind of unprecedented up until this point. Uh, So, hey, download speeds are going to be slower in Europe. You might want to get used to it because we are just getting started on this crazy ride that is the coronavirus slash COVID-19 slash novel coronavirus slash so many other names at this point. But... All of that to the side, I hope you guys enjoyed today's show, and if you did, drop me a like down below. And if you're watching in European uh, warranted 360p quality, I'd love to see you drop a like and a comment. Uh, But until tomorrow, you guys have a fantastic rest of your day. I'll talk to you soon, and peace.